Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst. I'll be your host for the next hour here on WFMU, Freeform Station of the Nation, live from Jersey City in the great state. Happy to be here. Happy you are here. Now, if this is one of your first times listening to Tectonic, let me just give you a little bit of context before I launch into this. Every few months or so, I have to catch up on the recent news that's pertinent to the show. And the reason for that is that week to week, I am speaking with authors and journalists and other sorts of uh, thinkers, creators, entrepreneurs, could be anybody. And when I have an interview show, which is the normal course of things, I don't have a chance generally to say much about that week's news. Sometimes I have a few minutes at the end of the show, uh, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes the interview and, and um, the post-interview comments that take us right to the top, the bottom of the hour, I should say, and there's no time. And then as the week goes by, I note these news articles where I think, ah, that, that really deserves a comment. The Tectonic listeners deserve to know about it. Um, whether, whether or not I have anything uh, cogent to add to the story, at least we should bring it up so that they know that this is what's happening. Sometimes I have some extra context I can add to, I, I hope, illuminate the, the news story a little bit. And so what happens is week after week, there's this buildup of, of news that I haven't mentioned at all. And then every few months I say, that's it. We have to say something about the, the last several weeks of, of tech news. And so today, uh, there's all kinds of tech news I could talk about, uh, but I, I, I have just chosen one slice of recent tech news, and that's the, the news of surveillance being launched in lots of different contexts, lots of different arenas in our lives. And I haven't said very much, I may not have said anything at all about these stories, and they're really important. We have to keep, uh, keep an eye on what companies and government actors are doing to our public spaces and to our private spaces, even at home and at work, uh, where we should not be spied on intrusively. So what I've done is I've used a little bit of alliteration, which I've done in the past. And so the, the title of the show is Surveillance in the Subway, the Store, the Stadium, and the Sky. And if we have, if we have time, I also want to get to uh, the spyware, and I want to get to surveillance, that is to say smart devices. So a lot of S's, one might even call this the S show. <laughs> which we have to do every, and it is kind of an S show, when you look at the, the range of surveillance that's going on uh, right under our noses without, without much hope of us pushing back on it. But uh, if, if we want to do anything about it, the first step is to know what's happening. I also want to say something about cars, which I know does not start with S, but I don't care because I have a really interesting thing, interesting to say, shocking, outrage, outraging, is that a word? Uh, outrageous, I suppose, and maybe a little bit depressing, but let's just call it interesting about uh, what's been happening with car surveillance, in-car surveillance, with new model cars. But I want to start 
at the very beginning, as, as promised, with surveillance in the subway. Oh, and incidentally, if you want to join in the live listener chat, there's already comments coming in. You can go to WFMU.org, click Playlists and Comments, and you can, you can join in or just lurk and read the comments. And if you're listening in the future, go to tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H tonic.fm, and click on the playlist link for September 25, 2023, and you'll see the playlist link there for tonight's show. So, as promised, subway. Okay, surveillance in the subway. Uh, this show comes out of Jersey City, New Jersey, right across the Hudson River from downtown Manhattan. And Manhattan is where I live, and I'm on the uh, New York City subway almost every day. And so I'm always interested to hear what what is the city doing now with the subways because it's it's going to impact my life and the life of my family and friends here in New York. And the, the news uh, probably best expressed at the outset by this headline from the New York Times just uh, just uh, three days ago, September 22. The headline is, 400-pound NYPD robot gets tryout in Times Square subway station. Okay, so NYPD, for those of you not from New York, that's the New York City Police Department. And the NYPD uh, recently has been on a real kick of of high-tech surveillance gear. Um, a few months ago, I covered the so-called DigiDog, which is this thing, this, uh, this, this uh, robotic um, dog that looks almost exactly like that Black Mirror episode where they had uh, robot dogs running people down, uh, outfitted with guns. Not to worry, though, not to worry. The NYPD assures us that their dogs will never be outfitted with guns. So that should, that should make you rest easier. But anyway, this isn't about the dogs. This is, as the headline said, about a 400-pound robot. And this thing is called a K5. Uh, it's made by a company called Night Scope. That's K-N-I-G-H-T, Scope. The first time I saw one of these actually was um, when I was visiting Silicon Valley. Uh, I think this was... I, it might have been pre-pandemic. It might have been like 2018, 2019. I was in, um, for some reason, I was in a mall. I was picking up food from a restaurant. I, I don't know. Anyway, I was in this kind of upscale mall in somewhere in Silicon Valley. It was San Jose or Cupertino or something. And there was this giant surveillance robot rolling around. And um, <laughs> I just thought, this is ridiculous. This This giant thing... Um, it, it's, it's shaped like a giant, I don't know if this is a, uh, how dated a reference this is, but when I was a kid, there were these things called weeble wobbles, which, uh, were, were sort of bottom heavy. And so there are little toys that if you push them over, they would, they would flip right back up upright. It was hard to push them over. And this, 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 uh, night scope robot looks like a weeble wobble. It looks bottom heavy as though they don't want people to push it over. Or if you do, maybe it'll pop right back up. This thing is, is it screams uh, like a rolling fortress. There's nothing friendly or warm about it. It's sinister. And it has very clearly uh, on the top of its, the top, this whole thing is kind of egg-shaped and where it's robot, the, I, you can't really call it a head. There's a picture of it on the playlist if you want to see it. There's a giant uh, aperture where, obviously, there is a surveillance camera that's looking out at people. 
there are no arms. There are no uh, tools that, you know, drills or guns or flamethrowers yet that have been outfitted on this thing. So you wonder, what what is the NYPD doing uh, buying this very expensive hardware to roll around and uh, watch people with a camera? And uh, you may be wondering that because I'm certainly wondering that. That was the same question with the DigiDog. What in the world are we doing paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for these robot dogs when, uh, you know, w we could be paying humans to do the on-the-ground work and probably do it better, certainly do it better and generate more of a, of a uh, relationship between the, the, the police and the community rather than these sinister-looking robots. Um, so not not to be deterred by any kind of pushback because there was pushback on the on the digidog new york city mayor eric adams went ahead and bought this uh k5 thing and put it in the times square subway stop which is the the most uh the most visited subway station in the whole system so the most crowded on average and so they put this thing and the times says uh the k5 is described as a quote fully autonomous security robot, part of a push by the mayor for more law enforcement technology. There's, there's, no, um, there's no explanation of why it has to be technology to enhance law enforcement. There's no explanation. Why are we spending all this money on expensive, uh, expensive and intrusive surveillance equipment when we could be um, deploying those those funds for human police officers. So then there's a quote from a past guest, a past tectonic guest, whose name is Albert Fox Kahn. He runs STOP, the Surveillance Technology Oversight uh, Project, which I like a lot. And I'd like to have uh, Albert back, so back on the show sometime. But I'll just read his, his response here, which I agree with. Kahn says, if the mayor thinks there aren't enough cameras in Times Square, then he's more out of touch than I realized. Speaking about the K-5 robot, he said, it's more surveillance theater. This is a mayor who doubles down on public relations stunts rather than public safety any chance he gets, uh, which is, uh, I, I would agree with. I mean, if the whole idea of this K-5 robot is to be a camera, I mean, you know what's a lot, um, what's a lot easier? If you want a camera uh, and you're looking at a, I don't know how much this thing costs, $50,000, $100,000, you know what's easier uh, than a rolling robot that's outfitted with a camera? Um, a camera. A camera. If you want a camera, buy a camera and use the rest of the budget to hire police officers, human police officers who will focus on public safety and can actually do something about it when something goes wrong rather than just rolling around and being uh, sinister looking and eventually just useless. Uh, for your viewing pleasure, I have put a photo of New York City Mayor Eric Adams um, smiling next to his new toy, his new robot toy. And just below that, in an almost identical pose, is Peter Cushing in an early Doctor Who movie. Uh, I mean, it's, it's uncanny how similar these photos are. Peter Cushing is leaning up against another robot, another sinister-looking robot, Call it Dalek if you ever watch Doctor Who. These things look strikingly similar, but in the Doctor Who universe, uh, the narrative clearly showed the sinister robots 
to be bad things rather than good things that our elected leaders are unwisely spending money on. So there's our subway surveillance. Oh, there's one other little thing about subway surveillance I wanted to say. There's this, and this is, uh, this is different from the NYPD program. This is from the surveillance system they have for, uh, for you to be able to enter the subway by using your surveillance phone. You're supposed to put your surveillance, oh, I'm sorry, did you, do you use the word smartphone? We can use, we can say smartphone if you want, but there's surveillance phones, uh, given that you're being tracked, every action, every place you go, uh, everything that you do on, with, or around the surveillance phone is being tracked. But anyway, the um, New York City Transit wants you to use your surveillance phone to push it down onto the reader and the reader will then uh, let you through the turnstile. And this system is called Omni. You know, like <laughs> omniscient or omnipresent uh, surveillance. Yeah, that's what it's, except it's spelled O-M-N-Y. Anyway, this Omni system is this wireless payment system that uses um, surveillance phones to, to accept payment. And it it offers this, this great feature where you can surveil yourself because, you know, they're surveilling everywhere you go on the, on the subway. So they say, but, but it's a feature, not a bug, because we're going to allow you to surveil yourself. Because, you know, when I get home after a subway trip, the main thing I want to do is go to a website and, and look up where I've just been. Because, you know, I can never remember when I get home. Where was I just? And you know what's fun is to use the internet um, not to look up useful information or, or connect with people, but to look at a surveillance track of my subway meanderings. That is real entertainment. And that is, in fact, what OMNY has made available. There's only one thing, though. There's almost no security uh, in that system making available your location you're with timestamps. Here's where you were at this day, at this time, at this station, then you went to this station, and then you went to this station using the Omni surveillance system. All you have to do as of the time of this article, <clears throat> excuse me, of uh, August 30 in 404 Media, all you had to do was to type in your credit card number. And so Joseph Cox uh, journalist at 404 Media, that was, that was formed by a bunch of folks who used to be at Vice. Uh, they left and they started their own independent uh, tech news site, 404 Media, and it's well worth checking out. Anyway, 404 Media, there's a link to this on the, uh, on the playlist. I tracked an NYC subway rider's movements with an MTA, quote, feature. <clears throat> and what Cox writes is that he entered... Uh, the rider's credit card information, he notes that this data, the credit card information, is often easy to buy from criminal marketplaces or it could be trivial for an abusive partner to obtain. If you think about it, if someone's in an abusive relationship, uh, the, the abusive partner may have easy access to the credit cards. Just type in the credit card number and bam, they've, get a, they've got access to this, this supposedly useful system that Omni uh, put together. So again, Cox, with their consent, I entered the writer's credit card information and punched that into the MTA site for OMNY, Omni, the subway's contactless payment system. After a few seconds, the site 
turned out the rider's travel history for the past seven days. No other verification required. Uh, this news presents a significant privacy risk from a feature that was supposedly designed for individuals to check their own travel history, but which in reality is wide open to abuse. So again, first of all, why are we spending money and resources to make available the travel history that is so, you could so easily see how this can be misused. Why is this the key unmet need that, that subway riders are at? Are people walking around saying, I wish I had an online map of where I've been on the subway in the last week. If only I could see how the subway system has been tracking me, then my life would be complete. Who says that? Who says that? Someone came up with this and had, had uh, n no critical thought about the feature they were developing or the lack of any security, any meaningful security they were putting into the system. All right, so that's surveillance in the subway. Disappointment after disappointment, these two. Um, let's move on to the store, shall we? This is a little bit of a quicker article. This is from The Telegraph, UK publication, of course, September 17, reporting that, quote, UK retailers are scanning customers' faces while they shop. Now, a few weeks ago, I think I briefly covered a news story from the UK. I think it was from London, where retailers were, were scanning um, people. They were doing facial recognition as people entered stores. And if someone's face was a match with uh, what the system said was a known shoplifter, the person would be denied entry into the store. And there was a case of a, of a woman who... Uh, was denied entry and there was something wrong with her record and she uh, there was no easy way for her to appeal that decision. The thing is, when we give our decision making over to these machines, these systems, uh, we lose control. We being the, in this case, the shoppers who go into a store, but also the store managers. They, they allow this, uh, this, this AI system or the surveillance system to be installed in their store. They have no control. Someone comes and says, that wasn't me. They go, I I I'm sorry, but th this is what the machine is telling me. You can't come in. And if there was a mistake, you're out of luck. There's nothing to do. There's no appeal and there's no flexibility for someone to use common sense or human judgment uh, to, to make any changes. We are signing ourselves up for an overly rigid system that when it, not if, but when it is littered with flaws and errors, not, not even to mention the biases that can underlie some of this stuff, uh, there's no easy way for us to change the system. Because what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to call uh, the big tech company that made this and ask them to uh, review their code or something, or review their database? You have, you have no recourse. None of us have any recourse as these surveillance systems are being installed. And... Uh, so anyway, these UK retailers, it, it looks like it's really spreading through these stores. These retailers, it's a company called Facewatch. Uh, I just, I, I, can I just give you a rule of thumb? When there is a company that is engaged in surveillance, whose business model is surveillance, and the first four letters of the company's name are F-A-C-E, just run the other way. Don't install it. Don't use it. Don't let your friends use it. You can probably think of uh, at least one other company uh, that, that starts with face that you shouldn't be using. But anyway, 
the, uh, the, the Telegraph story says, if your face is matched, managers at the shop will rele- receive a silent alert and a picture of you. Within seconds, you would find yourself shadowed by a chirpy member of staff pleasantly informing you, I'll be right behind you if you need any help. Well, that's optimistic. I think what's more likely is that as soon as they get the, uh, the alert, they just escort you right out of the store. They, you know, the machine says you might be a shoplifter. We're not taking any chances. Let's escort you right out. And they, as these stories often do, they quote a privacy advocate, uh, this one, Madeline Stone of Big Brother Watch, concerned about the slow creep of facial rec technology she says it's unacceptable to have police and private companies writing their own rules on the use of such per- powerful surveillance technology. We urgently need a democratic, lawful approach to the role of facial biometrics in Britain. But so far, there hasn't even been a parliamentary debate on it. And, of course, she's totally right. I mean, Madeline Stone is totally right, just like Albert Fox Kahn. And I- I'm sorry that these... Uh, the, these people who are entirely correct and, uh, and, and admirable in, in speaking out so consistently, they are pigeonholed in these press stories as, as privacy advocates. Like, here's what's happening. It's inevitable. The retailers are using it. Managers love it. The companies are making so much money. The government sure doesn't mind because they get, you know, they get a copy of the surveillance uh, feed themselves. And, uh, oh, was there another side to the story? Oh, yeah, here's a, quote, privacy advocate. You know, one of those weirdos that talks about privacy all the time. Here's what they say. We shouldn't have it because it's not democratic, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now back to the money-making story at hand. These companies are rolling in it. And that's how these, these stories often go. Not to say these two that I've quoted tonight are exactly that caricature that I'm making right there. But generally, when, when you read press accounts of the creep of surveillance technology, it presents the industry's view and or the government's view first. And then two-thirds of the way down, you get two quotes from someone they call a privacy advocate. And then it concludes by saying, well, uh, despite what privacy advocates say, and then they repeat the initial uh, premise, which is that companies are making lots of money, the government loves it for some reasons that it doesn't fully want to disclose, and it's inevitable, so we should just try to uh, get behind it and enjoy it if we can. And that's the end of the story. But look, it's the same story from uh, the subway to the stores in the UK, is that this stuff is proliferating right under our noses. And there's not been a democratic process to decide whether we want it or how it should be deployed or what the recourse is if there's uh, false data or um, here in the U.S. if there's constitutional uh, questions around uh, unlawful search and seizure of our private data. Uh, there's, nothing, there's been nothing, nothing. And, and thank goodness we have people like Albert Fox Khan out there who are pushing back, but we need more. So um, if you go through the Times Square subway station and you see the rolling surveillance robot, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going f- to finish that sentence. Let's move on to the stadium. This is, uh, this is an interesting one. Listener Herb sent me this one a little while back. This is from August 21. See, I have been holding on to these for a few weeks for you. Uh, this is about the Philadelphia Phillies. This comes from the local ABC affiliate in Philadelphia. Philadelphia Phillies roll out facial authentication to let fans 
skip lines at Citizens Bank Park. So <laughs> the uh, baseball fans who wanted – it's just like at the, uh, at the airport. We talked about this um, uh, a few months ago on the show that it used to be the, the, the TSA pre-check with a certain amount of surveillance you could go – get in a shorter line but now the tsa pre-check is is full at the airport so now they have this thing called clear which you is even more intrusive you give even more data up to uh the company and its government partners and they promise oh you'll go to the front of the line but see that only lasts for so long until everyone's signed up and clear and then it eventually becomes mandatory for you to have submitted yourself to intrusive surveillance just to get on an airplane uh, which is, not, I don't think that's part of any law. That's not mentioned in the Constitution. I don't know why we have to submit all of our personal data just to get on an airplane. Um, and, and soon, it's not airplane, not just airplanes. It'll be uh, retail stores, grocery stores, and now, of course, uh, sports stadiums. And the same pattern, the same pattern holds. It's first rolled out as an incredible benefit and a perk for those who want to give up their data, all you have to do is scan your face and then you go, you get in, into this, this uh, special lane. That's what I guess what they're, they're calling it. You get to go in the special lane and, and skip all of those, those other folks or those other fans that haven't, haven't been enlightened enough to give up all their personal data to uh, the company that owns the, the stadium or the sports team or the tech company running the surveillance gear or the, the local or state or federal government agencies that are getting a feed of the, of the data or all of the above, all, all feasting at the trough of surveillance data from your face just to get into a ball game. And then months later, when everyone is in that special lane, then they close off access to everybody else. And they say, listen, uh, we don't make the rules here, but uh, it's just been handed down to us that if you want to watch the Philadelphia Phillies, you got to scan your face. If you're one of those privacy advocates, I, I don't know, we could find someone who could maybe talk to you, but you got to stand over there and wait. I got to call someone. I'm busy right now, but maybe you'll get in uh, before the seventh inning stretch, you know, just wait over there. And eventually the surveillance becomes all but mandatory. That's the road that we're on with all of these. When they present these surveillance systems as a perk or a benefit, uh, eventually it, it shifts and it becomes all but mandatory to use that service. So um, next time you go to the Phillies game or any other stadium or arena thing wh where they have facial rec, I'd encourage you to opt out and see what happens. Um, leave your surveillance phone at home. They say, you've got to scan this QR code. I can't. I don't have a surveillance phone. What's a surveillance phone? I don't have a smartphone, uh, buddy. I don't have a smartphone, okay? So you, I can't do a QR code. I don't want you to scan my face. I'm going to do any of that stuff. Just I have my ticket. Can I come in? See what happens. See what happens. And send me an email. Tell me what happens. Occasionally I hear from listeners when they've, they've tried to opt out from the, uh, the growing surveillance state, and it's, it's always interesting, um, maybe a little um, as I said at the, at, the, at the top, maybe a little outrageous and or depressing, but it's always interesting to hear what happens. Uh, my email, mark at wfmu.org. Um, by the way, if you're just tuning in, we're halfway through the show. You're listening to Tectonic on WFMU. My name is Mark Hurst, and we're going through uh, news of recent surveillance launches all over that you should know about. 
Let's move on to the sky. This is one I've been wanting to tell you about. NYPD again, New York Police Department. Uh, this is from the New York Times. NYPD will use drones to monitor Labor Day celebrations. Okay, so uh, we have this thing in New York City called uh, Juver, which is this West Indian Day parade and celebration, just celebrating all of uh, the uh, West Indian communities in New York City and, and New Yorkers of West Indian descent or, or have, have come here directly from um, countries in the West Indies, all good. And the police uh, want to have a presence, no problem there. Uh, the, uh, all large gatherings have some kind of police presence. Here's the difference. Here's the difference with what's happened this Labor Day just uh, a few weeks ago, earlier this month, is that the police department floated drones Yes, they floated drones over the crowds. They want to see how big the crowd is. That's not by itself a, a huge deal. In this case, they also floated drones over people's personal backyards because people are having barbecues in their backyards. And so you can imagine somewhere out in Brooklyn, there's a family. They're having a barbecue. It's Labor Day. It, I believe it was, if I remember right, it's nice weather. They're grilling up the hamburgers or steaks or whatever, and then they hear, and they look up in the sky, and there is a New York City Police Department drone with a camera trained on their family uh, having the barbecue in the backyard. And uh, that uh, just it feels like, a, like in all of these cases, a line has been crossed when the police department feels free to float drones over people's backyards to surveil them on their private property. I mean, okay, let me just say, if the police have a warrant, okay, if there is a particular uh, crime in progress, you know, someone's in trouble or someone is being hurt in a backyard somewhere and it's been called in, they have a warrant or they have some uh, they have some indication that they need to check out a, a developing situation, then, yes, I can understand. You want to roll uh, cars. You want to you float a drone. You want to do whatever. You want to roll a K5 Dalek down the sidewalk. At least there's a reason that you can state that that's why we are going with cameras and who knows what else, sensors and, and maybe, maybe even some human beings to talk through the issue uh, and try to enforce the law. That's different. What's happening here is they're just floating drones over people's backyards. And they say, well, it's not a problem. Of course, uh, Mayor Eric Adams once again had a press conference and he, and he just loves these toys. Just high-tech everything is just going to solve everything. There's never any, uh, there's never any um, reasoning behind why we need drones. It's just drones are high tech and that's what we do here in New York City. Uh, of course, uh, Adams, for those of you who don't know, Mayor Adams used to be a uh, NYPD cop himself. And so he came up through the NYPD and so he just loves getting these toys for the NYPD. And so this time story runs on the drones monitoring people's backyard barbecues. And here's a quote. <laughs> Again, they've got, to, they've got to get the privacy advocate quote, and I'm glad they do, and I'm glad they talked to Albert Fox Kahn, who's, who's uh, well worth talking to. But it's just funny that the structure of the story is, is the same here as it was in, in the uh, subway story. So here it is. Mr. Kahn noted, 
reading the Times story, Mr. Khan noted that while police forces have long been allowed to use planes and helicopters for surveillance, the use of low-flying drones, some of which can record audio to monitor a barbecue, raised questions about New Yorkers' constitutional rights against unlawful searches. Let me just interject. Albert Foxconn is exactly right. He is exactly right. Let's continue. Mr. Khan continued that a drone was not the same as a human responder who could render aid or break up a fight. Khan said, camera systems sometimes can be helpful in investigating crimes, but they're really ineffective as a deterrent. We continue to have police peddling the myth that their technology somehow will magically keep us safe when, in fact, it's long-term structural investments in public safety that are proven to be effective. Excellent. Exactly right, Albert Foxconn. Once again, we have the voice of reason, and then we have the voice of the mayor with his new surveillance police toys who just wants to float drones over people's backyards just because he can, and maybe they'll pick up something. And you know what? You know what? They, let me just say this. One thing, one reason that this stuff is proliferating is because, not because there's any reasoning behind it, be, but because they want to get us numb to having these systems watching us, recording us, surveilling us, and analyzing us, and, and, uh, and just being intrusive in our lives at all times. They want us to develop a numbness. They want to get us habituated to being watched at all times at work, on the sidewalk, on the street, in our cars, in the subway, in our backyard when we're having a barbecue. There's no need for that. In fact, it's probably illegal due to the U.S. Constitution, but the mayor does it anyway. He's challenging us. What are you going to do? You're going to mount a constitutional argument? Go ahead. But, but by the time it, it, it goes up through to the Supreme Court or whatever, we're going to have lots of data and people are going to get used to it. It's going to be normalized so that when people go out and have a barbecue and they hear the they go, oh, it's our friendly police drone. I'm so glad they're watching us. Uh, you know, people are not going to be outraged. They're just going to get used to it. It's just going to be part of the background, just like these Link NYC and Link 5G surveillance towers that are put up by Google and are feeding data to the NYPD 24 hours a day. It's just people, it becomes part of the streetscape, these eyesores, these surveillance eyesores. All right, so let's, speaking of Google, by the way, let's move to spyware. Can we move to spyware? Um, spyware. So spyware is software that spies on you. <laughs> and there is one particular type of spyware that is some of the most uh, I, I hesitate to call it popular because that indicates that people actually like it, but it is some of the most used, unfortunately, some of the most used software on the internet is spyware from Google, and it's called Chrome. I don't know if you've heard it or you're using it or you're forced to use it. You don't want to. Uh, it, it, it purports to be a web browser, this thing called Chrome. It comes pre-installed in a lot of... Uh, and a lot of uh, surveillance phones and, and some laptops have it pre-installed, and there are a lot of workplaces that force people to use it. Google Chrome is spyware. But what I mean by that is that the browser is built to 
harvest as much information as possible about you and send it to Google so that they can continue to assemble their surveillance dossier on you that they can uh, sell off in slices to any third parties that pay Google enough. You understand that is the Google business model. Google's business model is to surveil you and then to, to package and sell off that information to third parties that want it. And they also have close partnerships with government agencies and not just U.S. government agencies. I've done a few shows on this. But anyway, the, the spyware known as Chrome is one of their main avenues for gathering uh, intrusive surveillance data on you. And this um, on Mastodon, which is, uh, I really don't use Twitter anymore. I mean, I have, a, I have an account there, but I really don't. Uh, post there anymore. I use Mastodon, which is this open source decentralized social network, and uh, you get some you get some good tidbits from Mastodon. There's one from September 6 uh, by someone named Marcus Hutchins who writes the following: For anyone unaware, Google Chrome is currently rolling out an update that tracks your interests based on browsing history then shares them with third-party websites, which, you know, that's, uh, as I said, that's Google's business model is to track you and then share your data. Um, Hutchins continues, the notification page makes it sound like they added a new privacy feature, but in actuality, they automatically enrolled you into their tracking system, and you have to go and manually opt out. Okay, so let me, let me unpack this a little bit. In the spyware known as Chrome, there is this preference page that you can go to to set your uh, privacy preferences as though <laughs> Google had any interest whatsoever in your privacy. But, you know, for PR purposes, they have to put something up to make it look as though they have some interest in your privacy. And what's really interesting about this, uh, and there's, there's a, um, a screenshot of this on the playlist at WFMU.org. Click playlist and comments and you can see it just Click the, click the image and it'll, it'll get a little bit bigger so you can see it. There's a screenshot of how Google rolled out this um, additional surveillance feature in their spyware called Chrome. And the headline, this is Google's headline for the uh, announcement of their new surveillance uh, feature. And the headline reads, Enhanced Ad Privacy in Chrome. And I just have to really, I have to, really admire the chutzpah of, of Chrome, or someone has really been doing a close reading of Orwell's 1984 to understand that if you want to habituate people to something that is the exact opposite of the truth, if you want to habituate people to something that the ex is the exact opposite of what is in their long-term interests, then you simply call it the opposite of what it actually is. Because what, what Google is doing here in their spyware, known as Chrome, is they are rolling out an enhanced surveillance feature. That's actually, by any definition of what this thing does, they are adding surveillance to Chrome. And so in order to um, roll this out and to announce it, they can't say we're increasing the surveillance, we're increasing our surveillance because Daddy needs more growth this quarter, and it's your surveillance data we're going to be uh, packaging up and selling to people that's going to allow Daddy to make his uh, quarterly bonus. They can't say that. They can't say the truth. So they say the opposite. They say 
we are enhancing your privacy. That's just amazing. Actually, it's not amazing. So banal in a way that that's how things work. But when you understand that that's how these companies like Google work, then you can, you can uh, decode some of their headlines and their press releases and their announcements simply by inverting what it is they are claiming to do. If they say, we have a great announcement, we are enhancing your privacy, you just invert it. And what the truth is, is we have a terrible new feature. We are going to be compromising your privacy even further. That's what the truth is. So this thing says enhanced ad privacy in Chrome, and then it continues in smaller type. We're launching new privacy features that give you more choice over the ads uh, that you see. Okay, so what what consumers want is not more choice over the ads. They, that has nothing to do, th this feature has nothing to do <laughs> with giving you choice over ads. Who said anything about choice over ads? What they're doing is they're surveilling you more. That's what they're doing. Uh, and so thanks to Marcus Hutchins for pointing it out. And uh, there's also an Ars Technica article from September 7, 2023 called uh, Google Gets Its Way, Bakes a User Tracking Ad Platform Directly into Chrome. So Chrome, the spyware uh, known as Chrome, now has more user tracking built in. And that is the update that Google has made to Chrome. All I can suggest, friends, is uh, don't use Chrome. And I know it's by far the number one most popular web browser in the world. And I don't know why this always happens, but somehow uh, these monopolies create the worst possible software and they become the number one most used uh, applications in their, in their uh, areas. It, it happened when Microsoft created Internet Explorer, uh, back in the 2000s, and it was absolutely the worst possible web browser ever. You talk to anyone who was in tech, and they hated Internet Explorer. It's called IE. Some people called it Internet Exploder. And, um, you know, true to form, uh, Microsoft pushed it on everybody, and it became the number one browser in the world. And people hated IE, and yet it was the number one. Here, now in 2023, we have the worst web browser. It is an absolute intrusive user tracking spyware debacle called Chrome and it's the number one browser. So all I can say is if you can get off Chrome. Some people are forced to use it and I'm sorry that's the case. Okay let's go on to cars. Should we and this is I know this is not an S. Um, is there another word for car that starts with S? Uh, I can't I can't think of one. Anyway cars. Mozilla came out with an interesting report. This is from September 6. It's official. Cars are the worst product category we have ever reviewed for privacy. So, friends, everything I've told you before, what were the S's that we've gone over? Let me just check again. Subway, stores, stadium, the sky, and spyware. One, two, three, four, five categories. And what Mozilla is saying, and I would agree, is that you've got to set aside all five of those because cars, cars are the worst product category ever for privacy. Because what's happening, and I don't mean any old car, and I certainly don't mean old cars, I mean new cars, new model cars, all the manufacturers are racing to get into the surveillance business because they see 
uh, unethical surveillance companies like Google, like Facebook, like Amazon, and increasingly Apple, and certainly Microsoft is in there. All of the big tech companies making money hand over fist. They're, uh, most of them are worth uh, more than a trillion dollars. I think Apple is, uh, I know their stock dropped recently, but I think they're still up around $2 trillion. That's a lot of that, certainly for Google, Facebook, and increasingly Amazon, and a lot of Microsoft comes from surveillance profits. And the car companies say, we want giant sums of money too, even if it's unethical, even if it involves intrusively surveilling the drivers and passengers, some of whom could be very young. We don't care. We want to surveil all of them within an inch of their life so that we can package it up and sell it to people. We need more surveillance data on the people in our cars. And so now new model cars increasingly look like uh, rolling surveillance systems. And so Mozilla did this report, this privacy report. You can read it. The link is on the playlist at WFMU.org. Or again, go to tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H tonic.fm, and find the playlist link for September 25, 2023. The link is there. You can read the whole report. Uh, and here's what they say. Car brands quietly entered the data business. That's a euphemism, isn't it? The data business. Let's just call it. Car Car brands quietly have entered the surveillance business by turning their vehicles into powerful data-gobbling machines, machines that have an unmatched power to watch, to listen, and to collect information about what you do and where you go in your car. And they go through a bunch of manufacturers. I don't think it's every single car manufacturer in the world, but it's, 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 it's the majors, okay? And there was one car company, and they used a checklist. It wasn't just, you know, opinionated, oh, I, I don't like that uh, car company or whatever. They had a checklist. Do they do this? Yes or no. Do they do this? Yes or no. And the questions in their checklist were basically around, do they respect customers' privacy? Or do they have some way for people to turn off some of the surveillance? You know, it's the kind of questions that you would expect in a privacy audit. Of the manufacturers that they looked at, there was one car manufacturer that was the worst. It was worse than any other car company at protecting uh, the, the privacy, the, the data w of the passengers and the driver in the car. Can you guess? Can you guess which car company is the worst at privacy? If you've looked at the playlist, you already know the answer. The worst car company in terms of privacy is Tesla. And Mozilla will tell you. You can read the report. Tesla was, it just got abismal ratings. So, and it's no surprise, Elon Musk is right up there with all the other big tech giants trying to squeeze out profit any way he can. There is no sense of ethics around privacy that I can detect. Uh, and and he's, in, he's in a perfectly uh, similar company when, when we're talking about companies like Google and Facebook. No ethics. Just get as much data as you can. It's a land grab. We, if we don't get the data, someone else will. So let's surveil them as much as we can. Having, having talked about Tesla, I want to say something. I want to read you something in that Mozilla report that had to do with two other car companies and with a focus on the first one. The first one I want to read about is Nissan. Now, remember, Tesla got the last spot in their rankings for, uh, for respecting privacy. 
Nissan came second to last. And here's what Mozilla said. And just, I, 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 could, hardly, I could hardly believe this, this section of, of the report, but I'm just reading, I, I'm just a messenger here, okay? Just listen to what Mozilla wrote. Quote, Nissan earned its second to last spot for collecting some of the creepiest categories of data we have ever seen. It's worth reading the review in full, but you should know, they're talking about Nissan, it includes your sexual activity. Not to be outdone, Mozilla continues, Kia, you know that car company, Kia? Kia also mentions they can collect information about your, quote, sex life in their privacy policy. So they actually had a lawyer at Kia and Nissan who uh, got paid an hourly rate to write in the words in Nissan's, uh, in, in Nissan's case, sexual activity. This is a car company. And in Kia's case, to write the words sex life in the terms and conditions document. And friends, remember what I said about the drone floating over people's backyards that we've crossed a line and it feels like we keep crossing a line, crossing a line, crossing a line. We are now at a point where if you buy a new Nissan or a new Kia, you may have to accept terms and conditions just like a piece of spyware like Chrome. You, in order to use the car, a rolling surveillance system, you may need to accept terms and conditions legally that say that the car company can monitor your sexual activity. What kind of world are we living in? And what is the matter with people at these car companies? Do you know what business you're in? Please tell us. I would love if they would just come out and say, what is the business you're in? I thought you were making us a car, but <laughs> that's apparently not what you're doing. You're making this rolling panopticon with the creepiest, most unethical, most intrusive surveillance practices possible. You guys are disgusting. That should be their new tagline, Nissan. We're disgusting. You might as well, you know? Just go, go for broke, guys. Tell the truth in your ads. And let's see what happens. Kia, we're really, really creepy. We hope you buy our, buy our cars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Nissan, Kia, Tesla. And by the way, they're not alone. Let's not bash them alone. You should read the report. Uh, just about everybody, just about all the major manufacturers are getting into this. Welcome to 2023, friends. You can't have a barbecue in your backyard without a police drone coming and spying on you. You can't walk through the Times Square subway stop without a stupid Dalek taking your photo and rolling around and, and using whatever other sensors are in its stupid weeble-wobble body. You can't buy a Nissan or a Kia or a Tesla without the thing recording you and watching you and, 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 and slathering on all kinds of creepy terms and conditions on you just to use their stupid car. Uh, I mean, it just sometimes makes me think, if, if I was to buy a car, I would, have to, I would have to find the year at which everything started to go wrong, and I would have to make sure that it was a model of a car that was before that year. And I'm not sure what year that is, 2000. 
eight, somewhere around there. I don't know. Where did everything start to go wrong uh, that we've gotten to this point? And it shows no sign of stopping. Unless all of you, friends, all of you spread the word, get all of your friends, all of your family members to listen to this show, and let's all say together, don't buy Tesla, don't buy Nissan, don't buy Kia. Uh, but there's other comp car companies in there as well that we shouldn't buy. I mean, it's like most of them. Don't buy a new car, I guess. It's kind of depressing. It's kind of outrageous. And uh, I think all of it is interesting. The last link, I don't know if I have very much time for this, maybe a minute, uh, from the register September 7th, surveillance devices, also known as smart devices, which they are not. Now, surveillance devices, you know, like the stupid Alexa things or the other surveillance devices from Google, Amazon, Apple. Uh, Amazon, I guess, is the Alexa one. Google, Amazon, Apple, and Facebook all have surveillance devices. People buy these things and put them on their kitchen counters for some reason. You know, you can be recorded and listened to by, by third-party contractors somewhere else in the world without your knowledge or consent or any recourse to do anything about it. You know you can be listened to, right? You know that you have bugged your kitchen so that your private conversations of you your, your, your partner, your kids, your friends who come to visit can all be monitored and listened to by strangers elsewhere in the world. Are you okay with that? The register, the register story, the headline says, like privacy, then smart devices are a dumb idea. I mean, yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell you, but read the story. If your friends won't listen to me, listen to the register. Uh, you know, and it's not just smart speakers. It's they're talking about washing machines now are smart. Apparently, and the things they want to know about their owners have nothing to do with spin cycle. For example, LG and Hoover products don't allow the use of their apps without knowing how old you are. LG, LG was the worst for prying, wanting name, date of birth, email, phone contact book, precise location, and phone number. For Mealy products, precise location tracking is enabled by default and required to use the app. Again, again, you want a vacuum? You want a washer? You want a dryer? You got to sign up for these terms and conditions. It's like the whole world is turning into Nissan or Tesla. It's terrible. That's all the time I have tonight. I've got a great outro. I want to say thanks to Evan Funk Davies for pointing me to this great, great newly released song by Lulu Lewis based right here in New York City called Destroy All Data. I hope you enjoy it. I love this song. Thank you, Evan. You've been listening to the greatest radio station in the world, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Until next time, friends, you know what to do. Avoid Amazon. Sorry, try again. Avoid Apple. Abandon Amazon. Forget Facebook and whatever you do. Get off Google. Stay tuned for Dave Mandel.
And they're off. Greetings, friends, and welcome to another action-packed installment of It's Complicated, an hour of Prague and Prague-adjacent music. I'm your host, Dave Mandel. I'm here at this very time every Monday evening, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Thank you for joining me this evening. Lots of exciting music for you today. And we're going to start with... Something newish, um, to 2019, new enough, from a group called A Light Sleeper. This is a group, a Chicago-based group, a group based in Chicago. And we're going to hear a track from an album they released, as I said, 2019, called uh, Distinction, parentheses, a ballet in six parts. And this will be a track called... Um, called, I forgot, called uh, Blankly Stated Spaces. Sorry about that. This is pretty wild stuff. From the group, A Light Sleeper. <laughs> 